0: a reading from isaiah let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill he dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines he built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it he expected it to yield grapes but it yielded wild grapes and now Inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. Gospel reading from the twenty-first chapter of Matthew. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenant seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance." So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put out those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruit of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, O Christ. Seated. Grace and peace to you, my friends in Christ. Most parables that Jesus shares are subtle. They can be confusing, hold many paths to interpretation. Today, Jesus is anything but subtle. This is the parable that puts the last nail in the cross, you might speak might say. When Jesus is comparing the religious leaders to wicked tenants in a vineyard, there's really only one way for them to understand and interpret his words that you guys are the wicked ones. And they know it. After he says this, the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables and they realized that he was speaking about them. Well, they want to arrest him, but they also know that there's going to be pushback from their crowds if they do. They don't want riots. They just want things to go back to the way they were. He continues to compare these religious leaders to the tenants of a vineyard who beat up and stone those who are coming to collect the produce at the end of the season. Then when the landowner comes, they resolve, or when the son of the landowner comes, they resolve to kill him. Why? So they can get his inheritance. Why on earth would you think that killing the son of the Landowner means you will inherit his wealth. It's very illogical, but I think that's what Jesus is trying to say. This reference to killing the son is an obvious hint at what is to come for Jesus. He's poking the bear at the expense of his own life. Why does Jesus say this parable so bluntly then? Luther Seminary professor Matt Skinner remarked that his biggest surprise in this is that the tenants, hence the religious leaders, don't consider that their actions will have consequences. Jesus illustrates this and the religious leaders' first thought is not to correct their behavior, not to say, wow, he's saying something pretty wise and important. Instead, it's to cover it up. Well, let's just get rid of him so we don't have to feel uncomfortable anymore. Our actions do have consequences. This was a theme that came up pretty consistently during a parenting class that I led a few weeks ago. I had the pleasure of joining with some soldiers and their significant others to talk about how we raise children that will grow up to become mature humans who can make their own choices in life and have critical thinking skills. We had a really low bar. (laughs) The curriculum was called Parenting with Love and Logic, And this coursebook empowered parents to teach responsibility by using enforceable uh, enforceable statements. Uh, One of my favorite chapters was about avoiding power struggles by teaching effective versus ineffective choices. Perhaps the religious leaders, if they would have been a little bit more open-minded about creating a culture of effective choices, they wouldn't have been so threatened by Jesus calling out their power, calling their authority into question. What I learned through this course as we had some great conversation was teaching choices in a parenting class is not just limited to children. We can treat coworkers, family members, other grown-ups with the same strategies. I think it's about how we frame our choices around control. The writers of the curriculum had something to say about control. They said we can share it or risk that our kids will do something with it. Control is a life or death matter. We can share it, or risk that our kids will hurt themselves trying to wrench it out of our hands. Do you remember what set off the religious leaders last week? What did they question of Jesus? His authority. The authority with which Jesus was teaching in the temple. They didn't want to share that. They were afraid of what would happen if they didn't relinquish some of it. And so then, because they wouldn't, Jesus kept teaching. And they didn't like that either. They acted like they were in control, but they didn't have control at all. In our parenting class, we talked about offering choices, especially as conflict arises, and to make sure that we are the ones keeping a cooler head. The advice was to make choices that... No matter what the outcome of the choice that you offer, it's going to be something that you're okay with. So here was a few examples of good choices. Are you going to wear your coat or carry it with you? Are you planning to... Now, this one's for a little bit older kids. Are you planning to be home at 10.30 or 11? Maybe don't do that with elementary kids. Um, Do you want carrots or peas? Or if you want to get really spicy, throw in or broccoli and see how they choose. It's implied, though, that they have to pick one. They get to pick one. They get to choose which of those choices they want. And what choices we provide, it's really important because we have to be okay with whichever one they pick. This led to some sharing of examples of not the best choices offered. And, of course, it was the parents who used their spouse's choices as examples. I wasn't one of them, but... Some of these sounded really familiar. One parent said that her husband would make choices that were unenforceable, like clean your room or we're not going on vacation. Her point was, we're not going to punish everyone, really? One was maybe a little bit more unrealistic. It was, finish your homework or you're never watching television ever again. Okay, good luck enforcing that. But maybe a better choice would be, would you like to clean your room before or after you finish your homework and then maybe throw in, and then we'll play outside or you can watch TV after your responsibilities are done. The logic as we talked about this was how we modeled just basic choices. And especially at a young age, kids are gonna start thinking carefully about the choices and the bigger choices that they'll have to make later. Those choices as you can see, also can involve positives. The most important ingredient, however, to this parenting course was having empathy. Just being able to to meet your kid where they're at, to be able to to feel what they're going through, to be able to genuinely understand when there was anger or frustration, to be able to understand those feelings. Take some of the emotion out of our own feelings and then provide that non-anxious environment. You might notice how unrealistic our expectations of others are when we feel our own temperature rising or we're not quite in control. And I think, I think that's how these religious leaders must have felt that day. They were getting so angry that they couldn't reasonably make choices that would allow them to hear the truth that Jesus really was offering them, that Jesus wanted them to hear. They couldn't hear about the grace and mercy offered by a loving father willing to share this kingdom of heaven with everyone, not just a few. So what do we make of the choices in our hearts today? Those choices shouldn't be about guilt, shame, or fear. The choices that Jesus presents us get us to think about what kind of human we want to be. What kind of human do the other humans in our life want to be? What kind of parent, what kind of friend, what kind of neighbor will I be today? Professor Caroline Lewis goes even a step further of placing ourselves directly into this parable. What kind of tenant will you be to care for God's kingdom? How are we going to be stewards of the things that God has entrusted us to be? Caroline Lewis said, how are we going to take care of the vineyard these days before we start casting shame and blame on the easy targets in this parable and those around us in our lives, we should take a long, hard look at ourselves. How are we doing in tending to the kingdom of heaven? She said, this is our charge, to care for God's vineyard, to care for God's people. We are the ones leasing the land. I wonder how often we forget about those whose care we are representing and administering. We are on lease from God to care for God's people, to care for God's creation, to care for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus isn't subtle with those chief priests. He isn't subtle with us either. What we do matters. What we say matters. How we treat each other is a reflection of God's love. The kids sang it today. We Love Jesus. You're going to have that in your head the rest of the day. Isn't that an awesome chorus to just always be thinking, wow, we love Jesus. We love the Lord. So do that. Show God's love to your kids, to your friends, to your parents, to your neighbors. Through the choices that Jesus made for you and for me, Jesus chose love so choose Jesus. Choose, le- choose love. Live that call today. Amen.